0: Welcome to Babs. Buzz, how are you? Long time, no rap. I'll get right to it. Uh, It's good to see you again, Michael. How are you doing? High five to Michael and Chris and the Simply Scripts audience. You guys are so wonderful. I've had a great time communicating with you on the boards recently. Actually learned a lot, too, from some of you, so thank you for that. I typically will take a few minutes out to thank you. If I don't, please forgive me. Just know that um, I do read everything that you post up there. Um, From the opening quote department, let's see. We have here from Billy Wilder. Quote, to bring a film to the screen is to wrestle with monsters dressed as clowns, close quote. Um, what happened from the pitch field recently corner? I have a good story to tell you guys. It's been a very intense month of uh, two months of pitching. It's actually been pretty productive. Uh, a couple of situations happened where A producer came to me from the Midwest, really great guy. And obviously you guys, you know, I can't name names. If I can, I would, but I can't and I shouldn't. It's just, it's just too noisy if I do and I don't want to hear about it, you know? I get a phone call on a Monday when I've had no coffee and they're like, what are you doing? Nah, I don't want to hear it. So I get a phone call from a a guy I, I know of his work. He's very sharp, very nice. Happens to be a brother in the Lord, which is nice, but, you know, whatever. And um, we get to talking, and then he goes, you know, I'm looking for this, that, and the other thing, and I got so disgusted I wrote something myself and shot it. And I said, well, that's great, but, you know, I've got some great stuff. So I shoot him over my log line list, which is just a portfolio of everything we have in our stables that's market ready. And I send it over in alpha order. So, for example, I'll put action, then comedy, trauma, then fantasy, then horror, and I go all the way down the list to thriller. And he looks it over and he goes, I don't really see anything I like. And I said, well, tell me your ideal. So he gets into explaining to me what his ideal is. And I begin to pitch him a script by a client who used to be my client, who's no longer my client. He's basically struck out on his own, which is fine. We're, we're, we're still friends and uh, actually pretty good ones. Uh, the guy's superbly talented. You don't need to know who he is. It's not important. The imp- I'm trying to teach you by way of the example that things that can happen to an agent, a writer, and a producer by way of example. So we get to talking and I said to him, what would you think of a story about such and such and such and such that takes place here And I explained to him where it takes place and that the characters do X. And I tell him what this is. And he says, oh, you know, that sounds kind of cool. I said, well, I've got that. And I've got two others. I said, but this guy is not a client of mine any longer. And I don't know what I don't know about the script's availability. So let me see what I can find out for you. So fast forward three days later, I get with the uh, client. And I said, listen, are these items still available? I have a friend. Who uh is really on the hunt, and I pitched him your stuff, and I gave him the log line, and I gave him the Reader's Digest version of each of your stories, and he fell in love with the concepts. And the, the writer said, oh, yeah, go for it. Go pitch away. Send the scripts. So I do. Fast forward three days later, I get a call from the producer. Oh, my God, Barbara, I'm in love with XYZ. The script is exactly what I want. It's perfect for me and my investors. He reads it again. He calls me back a couple of days later. He says, you know what? If we make a couple of changes right here, minor ones, I think we can get this going pretty quickly. And I have another investor who I could probably get a little bit more money out of if we make these kinds of changes. So I said, dude, make the changes, float them back to me. I don't want to put this guy to work unless, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, show me the money, right? So he's, and he's great. He's like, okay, I'll make the changes, save your, your client the time. Let me find out what happens. We get ready to go. He writes an offer. Offer comes in. My client counters, of course, because we never take the first offer that comes in. It's just just silly to do that, unless it's so ridiculously great that we go, where's the champagne? Pop that cork. Quick. Well, as it happens, this offer was pretty intelligent and reality-based, fueled by an earnest desire to get the film shot. This is a big difference from somebody just writing a dollar option and going, let me see if I can throw a couple of spitballs against the wall and actually make it work. Two weeks after that, he calls me up, Barbara, I am beyond embarrassed. My investor has disappeared. This could be his way of telling me no. And I said, look, you know, since since he's a brother in the Lord, I could say to him something a little more um high tone in terms of our faith, like, you know, You know, God's delay is not his denial, which just happens to be true from where we sit. But if you're not a believer, it doesn't matter. The point is things happen for a reason. You you know, you don't have to be a believer to know that things happen when they're supposed to, when, when they're supposed to. So I told him not to worry about it. Don't fret. Meantime, while this is going on, my client who wrote the screenplay gets an A-list actor involved. Oh man, fender bender, right? I'm thinking, if this doesn't make a change, nothing will. So I tell the, the producer, he's like, oh my God, let me go back to the guy. So he goes back to the guy. Still don't hear from this producer. I said, look, you had a set budget, certain amount of money going in. Why don't you just chill out, get that money locked and loaded, write up the offer. Let's throw it in there and let's get it going. Because now that you've got this actor involved, you may be surprised at how much money he pulls in for you. He doesn't really want to risk it. It's a, you know, it's, we're talking about a substantial shoot here. It's, it's, it's somewhere in, it's, it's high numbers. So I think he's just, just chilling and waiting to see what happens. The Moral of the story is this. I did not allow my ego, which I don't really have a big one, but I have some. I put it in a little box on a shelf that said to be dealt with later. Okay. There's no expiration date on my ego. I put it on the shelf. I was a little annoyed with this writer for, for leaving us. I really was, but it didn't harm my view of him as a professional, as a person, or his work, you know, it's an it's a momentary alley for everyone. It was probably more of an alley for him than it was for us. But I had, I'm proud to say, and delighted to say, I had the presence of mind to recall his material, and I was smart enough to know that my job still is matching people with money to get their work done. I am a matchmaker. That's my job. The agent, yeah, we can sell some people occasionally, but here's what happens when we sell. People go, they look for reasons to not because they feel pressured. Rather, we want to show them material that they may in fact fall in love with. That's what we want. That's the seductive part of what we do. It's a very addicting business what I'm in. You know, there's times where I'm like, like I told you with the dip of, oh, I want to get out of this. I got to get out of this. There's no money. But it's really a very enticing industry and it's very seductive in that Very little things can give you very, very big bounce. So this gave me a big bounce. So even though this guy kind of wounded our agency a little bit, not in reputation, but, you know, our egos a little bit. put my ego on the shelf, and I said, look, I got a guy, so-and-so, and and I pitched him anyway, and guess what? A great thing happened. This producer is now connected with this writer. We're all networked together. The deal is ours no matter what happens. So if it goes, it goes, and we get it because that's the WGA rule, period. This writer knows that, and on top of that, oh, did I mention the writer is a perfect gentleman? He is. That's another part of the story that's critical, which brings me to you guys remember we got punked twice last year, once by a real idiot pretending to be a big celebrity and another guy pretending to be a big producer. Okay, so we trust but verify. I never say to people, you're not who you say you are. You have to prove it. That's just off-putting. I'm not going to do that, darlings. That's just rude, right? It's just not, it's not nice. You just want to have some tea, have a scone, sit down, relax, right? So um, we get punked by these two guys. So now I'm very careful about who I talk to. And I, I, I vet them a little more quickly than I normally would. Well, I get a phone call from a huge producer at a huge company. Hey Babs, this is so-and-so. I want to talk to you about your, uh, the guy you signed over the summer named so-and-so. Now, the guy he's talking about is the kid who punked us, okay? I could hear you all going, (gasps) right? Because as you can imagine, I gave the guy an earful. I was polite. I was respectful. I said, oh darling, you want to run for the hills from this guy? Let me tell you why. We signed him because of X, but rather this is what we learned. So in the end, You can either be a gentleman or a schmuck. Take your pick. Okay. That's where the rubber hits the road. As Jason would say, and he says this humbly because he's seen everything. Jason is, Jason is one of those guys, you know, I refer to him often for a reason. The guy is the pillar of talent. He just is. And he's one of the humblest guys you'll ever meet. There isn't, there isn't much he doesn't know. And on top of that, he's willing to learn. That's huge. It's huge. He's the guy's a sponge. So he says to me, Barbara, remember this and never forget it. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't actually say this exactly. White lies surface. They just do. They do. That's why you guys will never hear me say, I know this guy and I know this one. And unless I know that I can do it and sleep at night, you're not going to hear anything fake out of me. Which brings me to, so that's what happened with that pitch. In the meantime, I did two e-blasts that were hugely successful. Two writers got more views than anything else I've done all year. This is very exciting. Two scripts in particular, Immigrant Mortal* and The Pottery Thief. I'll get to that in a minute. It's now called The Pot Thief. Um, that's exciting. I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, in the senior moment corner, if someone can find me a PDF of Tootsie, I would appreciate it. I'm on the hunt for that. I need to take a look at that and uh, do some uh, work on that. i got to take a look at it. Your writing reminder for this show. Kids, you've got to remember, rewriting cliches is your business, right? So I'm sitting, and the reason why I thought of this for the show was most recently I saw the Star Trek trailer for the new one, and I hear this quote: "Today is the first day of what's left of the rest of your life." Close quote. I'm sorry, that's fabulous, okay? Live it, learn it, do it. Thick as a brick, rewrite the cliche. It gives you an opportunity to be memorable on the page to someone who doesn't know you. Now, regarding page counts, I talked to Ted Newsom. This guy's been on both sides of the camera. And uh, I'm going to quote him. I'm just going to read what he said because he really uh, he really did uh, give, this, give me a succinct quote. In general, a page of script is about a minute a movie. And sure, sometimes a page can be twice that long. If it's a line like, then the 10,000 Apaches ride over the hill. And yes, a script submitted with more than 115 or 120 pages is probably doomed at the script reader level. I'd say that's a good thing. Most people do not write succinctly. We're architects, not bricklayers or house painters. Leroy Nyman, or Nieman forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, not Rembrandt. The old, uh, I think he said, strunk and white dictum omit needless words. Still, he goes on to say, years ago in college, I went to the RKO offices. The RKO offices, many of you guys may not know that from the West Coast or abroad. RKO, I, I believe, if he if I'm right, he's referring to the RKO offices in New York. You know, that that towering, say, beep, 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 beep. You remember that old school? Boy, I'm dating myself. So he says, years ago in college, I went to the old RKO offices, then only about four rooms in a small building. Uh, long away from the, any action in Hollywood. They had a wonderful amount of stuff in file, including original dra- drafts of The Thing from 1951. Oh, I love that movie when I was a kid. It scared me. Which is what I was looking for, meaning Ted. I wanted to direct a scene from it for my directing class at CSUN, and I did, and it came off pretty well, especially for a script written 30 years before. My friend Steve Wilson, S.S. Wilson on screen, Tremors, etc., cetera, uh, was fascinated by this little factoid, quote, The original script for The Thing, written by Charlie uh, Letterer, am I saying that right, Michael? Letterer is about 140 pages long, and the movie clocks in at 85 minutes. It wasn't that there were scenes cut out or vast amounts of dialogue reduced. Quote, it just moved like a bat out of hell because that's the way Howard Hawks directed it. Which brings me to the moral of this show and the point of the show, editing. You guys in the last couple of months have given me a record amount of material to read, and I have been joyful because of it. But I can't believe you guys all listen to the show and send me that stuff. Now, that's not a bad thing. It it gives you a place to start in terms of rewrites. But, guys, you got to edit this stuff. Robert Powers, I was talking to Robert Powers about this, and he was nice enough to do this. Michael is going to post a done script, a couple of pages, that Robert Powers did for an adaptation for a book called The Pot Thief. And then you're going to see the polish that made it market ready and you'll see the difference. Even the polish could probably be tweaked down a little bit. But the point is you, I've been telling you this and telling you this. And I said to Michael prior to the show starting, Michael, darling, we've got to show them. We can't tell them anymore. They're just not getting it. They're not getting it at all. So if you guys could look at those PDFs that Michael's going to post, you could thank Robert Powers for it. He's a gem and a doll. He's a very good sport for letting us do that. Uh, Robert Powers um, on a leap of faith. He read the book, The Pot Thief. It's a uh, mystery series of a guy I represent, uh, one of my few literary clients. I think he's my only one. I have two. And uh, he's an award-winning writer. I I actually discovered him in 2006, I'm very proud and delighted to say. Closed my mouth long enough to um, hear this guy's voice on the page, I'm very proud about that. And he's getting a lot of action and attention. We are now co-partnering with Philip Turner in New York to try and get this guy a better publishing deal. But meanwhile, back at the ranch... This script is getting some eyes. And let me tell you, whoever stars at The Pot Thief is going to be working for a very long time because it's a franchise. It, I think um, the way I pitch it is Indiana Jones domestic mean meets Murder, She Wrote, except it's a male lead. I could easily see in my dream in my mind's eye, Seth Green as the star without question. We need a short lead in this. And short is sexy. And he's only short by way of stature, because this is a big character. He is a big man on the page. It's wonderful. And Robert, according to all of us, including coverage, by the way, captured this character perfectly. And let me tell you, the adaptation is very, very, the, the book is very different from the screenplay, but it has to be. You guys know that. If you're listening, say yes. So let me give you some more quick quick tips for editing. Because like I said, I'm seeing superb efforts, but I I honestly, oh my gosh, I don't know what it's going to get me to get you to the editing table and use that eraser, right backspace. All right, here we go. Tips for editing. One, can I shorten this sentence? Well, can you? Do it. Can I combine this sentence to a tight active moment? Can I be more descriptive with fewer words? If not, why not? Did I cut my ing words? Did I cut my ly words? Am I writing every single moment down? If I am, why? You should not be doing that. That's huge. One of the uh frequent uh guests and writers at Simply Scripts, Who Shall Remain Nameless, um, very good writer, very good wordsmith, overwrites to death, just sent me a script. I'm like, dude, this doesn't even sound like you. It it I I actually was stunned. I, I thought he was fooling around. When you guys do that to me, I think you're kidding. Okay. So if you're writing down every single movement, He blinked. He turned his head to the left. He looked at the guy. hes I mean, come on. We get it. We're not idiots. You've got to, there, there has to be, you have to understand there's a reason why the expression less is more exists, right? To me, this is huge. Why are you doing this repeatedly page after page after page? It's imperative you remember that a script is a blueprint. Now, counter that to the comment that Ted made earlier. But remember what he said to close that quote. The way the guy directed it, he shot it like a bat out of hell. So the 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 vision, the narrative tug must be on the page if you're going to get their attention. If you're going to just give me stagnant, choppy, movements, looking, putting pants on, taking shirts off, doing that. I mean, come on. You guys know better than that. You're great writers. You all have it in you. You, And you know what? It doesn't even have to be great. What it's got to be is good. That's all. Because actors, they'll make it great. Directors will make it great. Sometimes they won't. You guys know that. You've seen movies that suck and the script's good and you're like, whoa, what happened? Huh. Okay. Then miscast is like that guy in, um, in Django. I think he was the, the heavy set kid. I can't remember his name, but everybody on the blogs was saying, what is he doing in this movie? You know, he belongs with, um, get him to the Greek or something like that. Anyway, um, okay. So less is more. I suggest you do this. And I told one of my clients this because Robert tend to, tended to overwrite. And he get, after a while, he's like, you're right. I just got to start writing super lean, and you'll tell me if I need details, and we'll add it. Um So I say to you, do this. Your first draft should be 75, 80 pages max. That's it. You do that, and I promise you, you will see what's not firing, and it will be easier to fix and easier to get it right. Now, I can't tell you how to write, but I will tell you this. If you write a longhand synopsis first and then go to your three act structure and then beat it out, find your antecedent, do that, and then do your script, I'm telling you, 80, 90 pages, it's going to be fabulous. You don't need all of this embellishment. Um, here's what I'm, here's the bottom line from what I'm seeing from the community, whether it's a simply script audience member, a Babs Buzz fan, and thank you for that, or just somebody who's pitching me from around the world because we're on the guild website. You get in the way of the story, man. It's, it's what you're doing. You, you do, and you're doing it and you don't even know it. You may think that, oh, they need this info. No, we don't need that information. No, we don't. We don't. I don't need ketchup on my fries. I just need some salt and pepper and I'm out of Dodge. Another sign of not being willing to edit or a very green writer, as Cameron used to say, is when you say, hi Joe, how are you? Oh, Mary, I'm fine. That is very very stagnant on the page it it is it makes the reader go what now you're occasionally going to have to go tim over here you know that kind of thing or mary look out you know it, 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 you can't always say hi mike how are you oh mary i'm good each character speaking to each other by name Honestly, that's a trigger for you because what that tells us is that your characters don't sound different on the page, and that should be a red flag for you. Um, So for the most part, don't do that. Look hard at your work even before it goes to coverage. You can send 80 pages to coverage, by the way. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you're listening, say yes. Here's a secret. Send in a first draft that's 80 pages to coverage. I'll tell you Why? Especially if you send it to somebody like Jason or Simply Scripts or Script Quack or Script Shark, they're going to give you some great ideas and some great pointers. They may give you the objectivity and the hook you needed to get it done right. Now let's flip that coin. I taught my uh, screenwriters class last Saturday. Anna was great. She t- she spoke two minutes about horror, and Anna's quote of the day was killer. I think she's going to do a blog about this. Was know your monster. You just have to know your monster. If you know your monster, your story's going to fire. Go, way to go, Anna. So um, this this student of mine, I call him my teacher's pet. He shall remain nameless, but he knows who he is. Um, he he sends me a script. Last two years, it just it's a mess. It's a novel, very well written, very boring. I rewrote the first two pages for him. I got it down to a half page, and it was it lost nothing. It really lost nothing. And and I wasn't trying to insult him. What I was trying to explain to him was this. You have chops. There is no reason for you to show off right here or make a decision and do a novel. Nobody, you don't, you don't have to do a screenplay. Do the novel. Write a, uh, write a, uh, one of those, you know, dark novels. It's, it's pretty cool. We're going to do a little bit about, and, and by the way, if you do good coverage and you send it in with a very lean draft, make sure you beat it out before you do because at least you'll get, you'll get brownie points for the right stuff, right? Your inciting incident, your theme on page five, your break into two, all that crap, page 55 up or down. Okay. Um, This is going to be a quick study in supporting characters and B-Story. The book that I need you to get that is amazing, once again, Linda Seeger. Cha-ching! Darling, she's just marvelous. You've got to read this book. Creating, uh, what is it called? Creating Unforgettable Characters, a Practical Guide to Character Development in Films, TV Series, advertisements, Novels, and Short Stories, Linda Seeger. Author of what? Making a good script great. You've all read that, so you know how to make a good script great, don't you? Uh, you're a bunch of lazy editors. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm on page 49. Here's the money line. What you need to know about the characters is what the actors need to know to play the scenes. What is important are the sense memories. O-M-G, that lit on me like a dove from heaven. I underlined that. I dogeared the page. I'm never parting with this book ever. This is going to go with me to heaven. You, When you read this book and you see what she does about creating character relationships and B-story, she, when I tell you, I will not have to explain conflict to you or character relationships or creating these, you know, little uh, personality traits. And she quotes Rain Man. She uses the perfect spot for Rain Man's quote. Uh, 90% of the backstory shouldn't be in the script, but it should be known by the writer. That's a huge tip. If you know the story, it doesn't matter if the reader knows it. That's kind of the point, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to entice interest. You're not trying to tell a story and show all this leg and then walk away. I mean, that's just silly. There's one um, there's one spot, at page 53, where um, uh, the quote from Valmont, she says, I had no choice, did I? I'm a woman. Women are obliged to be far more skillful than men. You can ruin us whenever the fancy takes you. All we can achieve by denouncing you is to enhance your prestige. So, of course, I had to invent not only myself, but ways to escape. No one has ever thought of, not even I, because I had to be fast enough on my feet to know how to improvise. Now, granted, this is on page 53 of the book. It's a long soliloquy. But if any of you remember Dangerous Liaisons, one of the best scripts ever written. Uh, When Glenn Close does that role, uh, when she does that speech, she tempers each comment as though she's shining her own personal diamond. But if you look underneath that stone she's holding, there is grit. There is dirt. She has a secret. And her secret is she is wicked pissed, wicked pissed about this distinction between men and women. She doesn't dig it at all. If men can have sex, women can have sex. If men can have fun having sex, women can have fun having sex. And it may even go deeper than that. The point is, we don't care about that. We saw the tip of her personal iceberg. And it came through in this soliloquy beautifully, and Valmont's like, oh, my God, this woman's so fabulous. But then, of of course, we all know what happens. Valmont actually, instead of falling in lust, falls in love, and he hates himself so much because he knows what a rat he is. He ends up uh, suicide by sword, a a duel. Um, I want to touch on Knight's Tale a little bit by Brian uh, Helgeland. Is that how you say it? Helgeland. It almost sounds like the town he invented. For the for the main uh, uh, character William Thatcher, his story, his theme, a man can change his stars. I mean, come on, guys, beat it out. It's right up front and center, really close to page five and six. I mean, it runs long, so the theme may come in a little late. But you see that the inciting incident: they're starving. The guy dies. It, you know, they, they see this guy on the road. I mean, the bit players all have voice too. You'll notice the guy who ends up making the patents. He steals the movie. That that was that role for him was a catalyst for his for the rest of his career. The other two supporting players, we've seen them everywhere. We know who they are. This guy knows, man, I want, I want my beer and my cream. I want to go home. And the other guy says, William Thatcher, God love you, because nobody else I mean, when you look at these three guys, you could easily see yourself in that situation. I know I could. If I was standing on the road and William Thatcher was selling me this and saying, look, man, we've got five bucks right here. We can turn it into a hundred. All we got to do is X. I'll do this. You guys do that. And I'd be like, you know, I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. That's me. The other guy's like, no, I want to go home. I want to go. When you do your bit players, give them red shoes, man. Make them stand out a little bit. Give them a backstory. Even the woman has a little bit of a backstory. That's called Ishchik. She's so cute. You know, she's making, she, look at, she's a, she's a master craftsman, right? She makes those, the, the, uh, the uh, suit for him. You won't even know you're wearing it. Turns out she's right. You know, she wants a ride. You know, she's going to work for her, for her, um, for her ride to wherever she's going to Paris. And his B story, the B story of, of William Thatcher, of course, as you guys know, I would love to read the script to see what attracted, um, the actors to this role. And the fact that it's brilliantly crafted. It's so fabulous. Um, I would like to have read how they pitched the B story, which is now, you have to look at this father, right? He, all he's got is his son. He's got really nothing to offer him, and he knows it. In a single unselfish act, which is superbly played by the actor, I can't recall his name, but Michael it as he always does, because Michael's a gem. Thank you, Michael, for all the help you always give me. Um, in this unselfish act, he lets his kid go. Now, you have to understand that that is very subtle. But that unselfish act is not lost on that little boy because that unselfish act shows itself up on the horse when William Thatcher sees the prince and he holds up his thing, right? His, his, uh, whatever that thing is that they hold up, that sword. Unselfish act. To wit, the female lead says he shows mercy. And, of course, um the antagonist says uh, he shows his weakness. Single line, single line, single line, done, done, done. You get it. You get it. You can write five or six or seven lines. That's fine with me, as long as you cut it down to its essence, because we want its essence. In the end, the actor's going to play with it anyway on set. You you might end up rewriting it on set anyway. They're they're probably going to do that. But what you want to do is Ah, Rufus Sewell and Heath Ledger. Thank you, Michael. I don't know how my time is. Michael's so amazing. He's got this yin-yang icon on his Skype thing, and he hits me with these little pencils that tell me my time. It's really cool. That's because I do the show, kids, with no makeup in my pajamas, and I don't want Michael to see my my picture. (laughs) Aw! He's making a heart. How cute. Oh, no, that's from Skype. Oh, darn it, Michael. I thought that was from you. Anyway, I hope all of you are doing really well. I'm really looking forward to seeing some new material from you. I know Sean's out there hustling. is doing great. Um, Brett's doing amazing. Dean is doing great. Uh, Phil is working on a script, and um, I want it to be an edgy thriller, but he doesn't. So we're fighting over that. Um, but he's such a good word, so I think he could probably do anything anyway. Um, I want you guys to concentrate on contained shoots. Uh, it's really important that if you're trying to break in, Little indie uh, low-budget features are very important, and now I'm going to leave you with some amazing news. Uh, I saved this for the end because truly this is the best for last. Uh, this is a wonderful story, and you're all a part of it. You all know Ryan Lee. When Ryan Lee won the contest with Simply Scripts for the Werewolves of London lyric adaptation into a short, if you remember using all the lyrics, and by the way, you guys, don't tell me you can't edit. Listen to any country song on the air. You get an entire story, first act, second act, third act, in three minutes. So don't tell me you can't edit. Okay, back to Ryan Lee. You guys all know um, Ryan Lee won that contest, and I asked him, you know, what do you have? And he sends me a script called Beyond the Mountain. That is not just great. It's actually market ready. I gave him some notes. He tweaked it. It's done. It is a beautiful story about a mountain man who's a beaver hunter. And he what he does is he gets the pelts. You know, he he – he sells the pelts for fur, et cetera, fur coats and things. And he ends up rescuing this um, this missionary woman. There's a, another beaver joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> I digress. Anyway, so Ryan does this wonderful job with Beyond the Mountain. We can't get any traction on it, but he keeps writing. Ryan has what we call voice on the page. He's just got it. He gets it. He's a professional reader. He knows what he's doing. He has. He takes notes very, very well. He sent me Alpha Station, Blue Bo- uh, Blood Bayou. Um, a, a, a couple of other scripts, and he sent me a script called Will to Live about this guy who, on the way to see his wife, who was giving birth in the hospital, has a car accident, and um, nobody knows he's there and he's, he's dying. And so um, it's what happens. And I said to him, you know, this script is not only great, but if you wanted to, Ryan, you could take this story, and with very little effort, I could help you make a faith-based version of it. And I'm not talking about taking the Bible and smacking somebody over the head with it. Trust me, I'm not. I do that to myself often enough. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a blindside kind of thread, which shows you the greater thing of man when you do things for God, da, da, da. Okay, so Ryan does this, and fast forward to when he's done, he ends up becoming a freaking semi-finalist in Kairos. Do you realize how exciting this is? OMG, I was so proud of him. I gave him a standing O. Well, a producer is going to shoot Ryan Lee's will to live. She called me up. She fell in love with it. She does not have her money yet, but she is in earnest. She is going to hook up with Craig Clyde. She's going to get some producer chops together. She's already got her own chops. She knows what she's doing, but she needs a little bit of help. Craig Clyde's going to help her. I hope this works out because this will be probably, uh it could very likely be uh, Ryan's first feature. So we're, I'm very excited for him. Very proud. I'm beyond proud of him. He works very, very hard, very quietly, he he is very good about notes. Anna is a huge fan of his horror. Blood Bayou is very well crafted, even though it's it, it, Ryan's a better writer than that. But I understand why he did it. It it makes sense. It's a good independent little horror film, and it's a great way to get yourself noticed uh, as a writing sample. But Ryan's a better he just he's a better writer than that. I mean, Beyond the Mountain is it's great. It's just great. So uh, congratulations, Ryan Lee, on a, a job very well done. I am telling you. I'm convinced that even though I'm, you know, things aren't getting set up the way I'd like, I'll be honest with you, it's not been as productive as I would have liked. My God, look at what we're doing here at Simply Scripts. I'm, I'm determined to make history. I really am. This is Babs for Babs Buzz reminding you that you need to do the writing, of course, because it's in your soul. You have to. And I want to remind you to keep rewriting, but I want you to edit Guys, you got to edit. If you're not sure, hit me with a page. I'll show you what to do. So remember to write. Remember to rewrite. But most of all, most importantly, irrespective of any of this, whether your film's ever shot or not, whether it ever sees the light of day, please remember, take a great deal of joy, stop and smell the roses like Michael and I are doing, and live your life. Peace.